Welcome to the Hope City Church Podcast. We're so excited for you to listen along and hear this week's message. We pray it inspires and motivates and draws you closer to Jesus. Let's take a listen. Not even close to being true, because um, I won't make, I won't finish up by 11, but I want you to uh, turn to your neighbor and just give him a high five, okay? Just turn to your neighbor, give him a high five. Good to be in the house of Jesus tonight. Um, can you please give your pastors a big round of applause and for all their hard work and leadership. And um, I, I really don't need to go long tonight. I feel like the, the Lord's already done some incredible things here tonight, but it is good to be with you guys. And uh, I remember, well, so many memories with youth ministry. My, my wife and I did youth ministry for 19 years, which was, I don't know, a long, long time. Um, longer than, than it should have been probably in some ways. If you do... Oh, you're looking for the Bible. My wife's word of God. So, um, but we're happy to be here. We, you know, my wife's from, from Canada, and I made a joke this morning, and I've been having all these memories. I'll, I'll probably make a joke tomorrow, you know. But my wife, the last time, right before the, the pandemic thing, we were up here one time, and we were at the border, and my wife is looking at me, and we drive across the border. And she, she we get like literally 30 feet, and she takes a big, deep breath, She's like, oh, and I was like, what? She's like, the air is so much cleaner here. And I said, hold on a second. 30 feet does not change the air. She's like, not to you, not to you. And even today, or last night, today, when we were driving in, we're driving in, I see her going like this. I was like, don't even, don't you say it. It makes no logical sense. Um, but we are... <laughs> Super happy to be with you, and then tomorrow, tomorrow morning is going to be great. I, I just want to share a few thoughts, um, and uh, you know, the last few years, I think, I think even prior to the last three years, you know, God's been doing something very special in the land. You know, people, my friends, everyone's talking about revival right now, lots of stuff going on at Asbury and different colleges, and I, I love revival. I think all revivals are good. Can I hear an amen? I mean, anytime people are crying out to God and confessing sins and, and getting healed and coming back to Jesus, that's a good thing, right? So we want more of that, not less, right? And I think that with anything that God wants to do, I'm completely open to. But what's happened is that I just think that there is a fresh spiritual hunger that is on the body. But I, And I think that the last season that we've been through, I mean, come on, did anybody doubt that revival was on its way in some form, right? I mean, we go through things like what we went through because God sometimes just allows the land to just be dry and empty so that the, the fires, the spark of revival can take off quickly. And, uh, you know, now that, now, that I'm, now that I'm 40, 54, sorry, um, you know, I've been through like 32 years of ministry now, and I've been through quite a few revival seasons, and and so um, not only do I always know there's, there's a season coming, because anytime that there's, there's drought, there's going to be rain. Anytime there's dry, there's going to be fire. So not only am I always convinced that revival is coming, but I'm also looking to see what comes out of those revivals. Like what, what is it that God is doing that's special in those revivals? And I think that this season is about the church. I think this is about our spiritual hunger. I think it, this is about coming back to our first love. You know, and I think that we're in for an extended period 
of God moving in some very significant ways. Can I hear any man? That's what I want in my heart. I want him to mess up my church services. I want him to mess up my plans. And I'm a planner and I'm a process guy. I want God to come and completely mess up all my process because it would take Jesus to do that. That's how stubborn I am. I'm like, you know, and so I need him to come in and mess things up. But we are in a season of, um, of I believe, of deep spiritual hunger and thirst being refreshed and being fed by God. And uh, yeah, so it's gonna, it's gonna be a really great season. And it's good to come up, you know, it's good to get up here um, out of the cold weather <laughs> and in the cold weather. Um, uh, you know, so our church, our, our church, our, our heaters broke. And uh, so we've had 13 weeks with no heat, 13 or 14 Sundays. And I mean, in Colorado in the winter, and we had a couple of Sundays where it was 20 below zero, and we still had church. Can I hear an amen? See, in Colorado, in Colorado, snow does not mean no church. <laughs> snow means what kind of a Christian are you? You know what I mean? So when we, when we planted our church, uh, I remember the first big snowstorm, and I mean big snowstorm. You're talking two, three, four feet. And we had set up at a hotel the night before so we didn't have to set up on Sunday morning. It was one of those rare moments we got to do that. And so we got up in the morning. Here's the, and I'm thinking, call the hotel, cancel it. You know, <clears throat> we get in our car. We're driving. We're driving early in the morning towards this hotel. I think we had chains on. And I look over at the Catholic church, and the Catholic church was packed. I mean, packed. Out the doors, you know, I'm like, oh, no, I'm not going out like this. If the Catholics are having church, we're having church. You know what I mean? So it's like in Colorado, you have church no matter what. Our kids didn't know what snow days were for like the first six years. They thought that snow comes and there's a snow day. No, it just means you dress warmer and don't die, okay? Um, so hunger. I want to talk about hunger a little bit tonight, and I'll, I'll just we'll get through this and pray a little more but. Um, I've learned that if you're truly hungry for God, if you can keep your hunger, hunger will lead you through anything. Hunger, hunger is a leader. Hunger is something that you follow. And um, hunger is a very important part of our life. It's a very important part of the kingdom of God. Uh, you know, our moms, both our moms passed. And, you know, we, we've heard this before, but we've learned that when someone, uh, when someone is, is passing into another place, when they're going to go to heaven to be with Jesus, one of the things that the last thing to leave is hunger. That loss of human hunger is a, a sign for the future, right? Um, I remember uh, the story when Jesus brought a girl back from the dead. And the first thing he did when she came back from the dead, he said, go get her something to eat, right? So hunger then is a sign of spiritual life, of, of new life. And, and uh, hunger has been something I think that's been missing from the church for quite a while. I think that the church has gotten out. Now, remember, okay, so you guys, we're kind of family. I feel like we're family. So I got to be able to be honest, right? Got to speak with honesty and transparency. No canned, nothing tonight. But over the last decade, I've become really concerned with where I saw the church going. And so many scandals and so much moral stuff and just everywhere. And I'm trying to defend it and defend the church. And it was getting harder and harder. And I think that what happened is, is that, that, that something came along about 15 years ago. And the church started to lose its hunger. 
And it started to replace its hunger with something else. And when the church loses its hunger, it begins to live a life it was never supposed to live. It begins to have cravings it was never supposed to have. Uh, it, it begins to change. It becomes something it was never meant to be. There's some symptoms of, of, of the body of Christ when, when it loses its spiritual hunger, right? When I, when I first got saved and I went to Bible college, right? Bible college was foreign to me. Because it was a college with one book, Bible College. I didn't understand what that meant. But if it only has one book, I'm in. You know what I mean? So, but I remember when God first, when I first got saved, I would get up in the morning every day at 5 a.m. And I would go find a place in the Bible College. And I would just pray and worship by myself, you know, in my early 20s. And there was a hunger. That hunger did something in my spirit. And it carried me through the next seasons of my life. But the last 10 years... Um, when, when you lose your hunger, there's some things that happen. Church becomes tradition. When church loses its hunger, church becomes tradition. And if Jesus becomes a tradition, then relationship becomes an obligation, right? And then every Sunday, it's like Christmas or Easter, Christmas or Easter, Christmas or Easter. And I don't want to be a Christmas or Easter Christian. I, want to have a, I don't want to have a tradition in church. I want to have a relationship. Uh, now, I'm going to go fast. I talk fast, okay? Um, I'm part Filipino. They talk really fast. I'm part Hawaiian. They show up late. <laughs> so somewhere in the middle, we'll find our pace, okay? But uh, the, church, uh, the church is not a networking opportunity. You lose your hunger, church is about networking. And if church is for networking, then, then Jesus is just a, a business and not a family. When you lose your hunger, the church becomes a building, just a building. Uh, and if the church becomes a building, then Jesus becomes a landlord and not a cornerstone. And, and we learned that there's no such thing as Jesus as a building. We learned that when we planted a church in the first four years, we had 24 locations in four years because we could never find a place to have church. I mean, we had church in parks, we had church in restaurants, we had church in schools and theaters and um, every single hotel in, in south part of Denver. We could never find a home. But somehow the church continued to grow. And it's because I've never believed that church is about a building. Church is people. That's what the Bible says. That your, your people, your bricks that are firmly, uh, strategically fit in the family. Um, if church, if we lose our hunger, then, then church becomes an activity director. You know, and a lot of churches are just about activities. And if the church becomes an activity, then, then Jesus becomes the activity director, right? And then all of a sudden, God's people are just busy but not missional. I don't want to be busy. I'm busy enough. I want everything that I do to have a purpose. Well, if I lose my hunger, then I lose my purpose, right? The church is also not a dating app. And, and you know, there's, there's no swipe right in the kingdom. You know what I'm saying? Um, if the church becomes a dating app, then our services become the playing field instead of the mission field. And I got so sick and tired of young adults talking to me about their singlehood and weeping and crying over not finding their spouse. And so I was like, you find your purpose, you might find your spouse. Because what she's looking for is a man of God who knows where he's going. Did that happen to you? Is that, is that oh, <laughs> you know. You know, we're not, a, this is not, get, get over it and get busy in the kingdom. But this is what happens when the church loses its hunger. The church is not here for entertainment because if church is a show, then Jesus becomes a performer. 
And then all of a sudden, in the last decade, we've been walking through these seasons where, where Jesus is like a performer in church. And if people don't get entertained enough, then they go find another church to entertain them a little more. And, if, and, and I, I, I got to stop there because I feel myself slipping into something that I shouldn't talk about. So, so, but all of these things, these are things that happen when the church loses its hunger. And I believe that what we've been through is that God's bringing us back to a place of hunger and thirst for him. A hunger and thirst for him. A place where, where we, we want to be with him so much that we're willing to set all of our regular activities aside once in a while just to be in his presence. Where we're finding worship in our car is just as important as experiencing worship in the church, right? There's just a shift and a change that I believe is coming. So I'm going to give you two or three thoughts and I'll be done. Number one, we have to stay in a place of spiritual hunger. We got to stay there. I remember in the middle of that last three years after we were shut down and, and um, you know, we all went through it. I don't want to talk a lot about that tonight. I'll, I'll probably touch on it a little bit. But like I remember at one point I was in my car and I, I pulled my car over and I just began to weep. And I lifted my hands, and I just began to worship him. And I just said, Lord, I, I need you, because everything's gone. Everything that we have built right now is done. Like there's, It's just me, you, and the car. And I remember that moment where God actually spoke to me and filled me. And it was like, no, this is not about buildings or services. This is about me. And I, I love this verse in Psalms, in 143. It says this, I spread forth my hands unto you. My soul thirsts after you. Everyone say thirst, right? My soul thirsts after you in a dry and a weary land. So make haste to answer me, Lord, because my spirit fails. Do not hide your face from me. And I think that when you find yourself in moments where you are empty and your hands are raised and you are thirsty for him, because every, nothing's gone the way that you thought it was going to go, those are some of the most important moments in life. Those are the moments where you discover that you have a, a hunger. Now, we're all about the next generation. My wife and I have been in youth ministry. We were in it for a long time, like I said. Um, and what I love about this, this season and even this like revival thing happening right now in Asbury, what I've loved about Washington is they say, you know, they say that it's all about Gen Z and the next generation, which is great, but try to have a revival and keep the Gen Xers out. You can't keep me out. I know how to break into anything. So you can't say whatever you want. I'm coming in. I don't care. You know, so, but I have had this like this, this really burden for, uh, for the next generation, whether it's because of our kids or whatever. And I've realized that, you know, we, we used to say the young people lead the way, the young people lead the way. And then over the years, I discovered it's not the young people that lead the way. It's the, it's the parents and it's the adults that lead the way because kids emulate their parents. Whatever the parent is hungry for, the kid's going to be hungry for. And we think that the kid's supposed to go get hungry and then we're going to be like, go, 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 little Johnny. No, little Johnny's looking at me at mom and dad saying, whatever my mom and dad are hungry for, that's what I'm going to be hungry for. And so you want to have an impact on the next generation, be the first one here, be the last one to leave, love people, hug people, feed people. You know what I mean? Take care of people and it begins to impact them. You know, like in our family, um, you know, like if you have a, a favorite food in your family, 
uh, your kids are going to like that food. If your kids came to my house, they probably wouldn't like all the food that we eat. Um, we eat a lot of Asian food. That's that Asian background in our life. Like I grew up and we used chopsticks most of my life. I, I barely ever used a fork. This is a true story as a kid. I never used a fork. I just used chopsticks. You know what I mean? But my, my kids love hot sauce. Anybody love hot sauce? I don't know why I'm telling you this. So my kids love, my kids love hot sauce. When, when the thing happened that happened this last couple of years, I can't even get myself to say it. When that, thing, when that thing happened, I remember my kids were like, oh my gosh, the stores are empty. We're going to have no food. We're all going to starve to death. And my son, you know, he's like, dad, we have to have meat. You know, he was teenagers. Like, what about meat, dad? What about meat? So I was like, let's all go. Let's, let's run on the store. We, we all go to the store and we run in. I was like, everybody go grab whatever you can find. True story. We go in there, and something hit me in the middle of it. I was like, oh, my gosh, what if the world runs out of sriracha? <laughs> this is how significant. Like, I was literally like, what if the world runs out of sriracha? And so I said, I said, I said our, mission, our mission today, children, is to find sriracha. I don't, I don't care about meat. I don't care about, and my kids were almost in tears. They were like, Dad, do you really think the world would run out of sriracha? I was like, I, was like, I don't know. I don't know if it could run out of hamburger. It could run out of sriracha. You know, I go running through the store. I find six bottles of sriracha on the top shelf at the supermarket. And I'm looking at it, and I'm like, I'm going to get all six bottles, right? Because I became a hoarder, right? And I turn to the right, and there's another half Filipino guy standing next to me staring at the sriracha. And I looked at him, and I was like, I mean, you, you would have thought that there was a kung fu fight about to take place. You know what I mean? Like, you know? So I smiled at him. I said, I'll split it with you. You know, so he takes three. I take three. But my kids, my kids, they love to eat what we eat. They love to experience what we experience. And so let's not put revival on the next generation. Let's put revival right here in the hearts of the, of the parents and the families and the adults and the big brothers and the uncles and the cousins and the young adults because they will follow your lead, right? And so we have to remember that our job is to press in no matter what generation that we're in, right? And the Bible speaks about hunger from beginning to end. Hunger is all through the Bible because God knows that mankind has a tendency to follow their appetite rather than their hunger. Those are two different things. So number two, follow your appetite, not your hunger. Now, I love this in Matthew chapter 4. You've all heard it. If you are hungry, tell these stones to become bread. This is the devil. And Jesus answered, said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone. There's something inherently uh, just true and, and righteous in the kingdom that we do not live by bread alone. Can I hear an amen? amen? We don't. We live by every word that comes from, we live by, we live by so many other things than bread. Jesus is fasting. He says, I don't, I don't need that kind of a bread. So there's a natural bread and there's a spiritual bread. And there are two different kinds of experiences with food. There's appetite and there's hunger. Okay, so appetite Appetite is your desire to eat. Because tomorrow you're going to have church, that all of you are going to end church, and who's going to be hungry, and you already know it. Prophesy. Come on. Prophesy to yourself. I'm going to be hungry. So what you're going to do then is you're going to figure out where it is you're going to go eat. Appetite is the desire to eat, but hunger is different. Hunger is a cue from the body that there is a need. And what, we've, what we're seeing right now in the world 
is the body of Christ is hungry. It's hungry. One of our, one of our friends wrote a song years and years ago. We just saw her about a week ago. She wrote a song called Hungry. Now, maybe you, you may not remember that song uh, from back in the day, old Vineyard song, Catherine Scott. Um, she wrote a song called Hungry, right? And so we just saw her, and I was like, I love your song. She's like, that song is 20 years old. And I'm like, I don't care. I'm hungry for the Lord again. Even today, coming here, I'm sitting in my room, and I'm listening to this song, Hungry, over and over and over. And it's not like I planned on it. It just, it just kind of resonated with where I'm at. There's a, there, the body has a need, and that need cannot be filled with lights, it can't be filled with Nords, red keyboards. Who gets a red keyboard? Back in the day, you'd have, back in the day, that was almost sin. That was like, if you, if you had a, if upon your platform, if something had too much attention to it, that's like a sin. Get that, a sinful. You know what I mean? Back in the day, it was like, we don't, we don't need, I don't need keyboards, I don't need drums, I don't need microphones, I don't need, I don't need social media, I don't need Instagram, I don't need any of those things. But what I do need is I need the Lord Jesus Christ to come in and fill my heart because I'm hungry again. I'm hungry again. I'm hungry for revival. I'm hungry for those extended times where we worship and weep and cry. I remember in the early days of our youth ministry, what marked it was not Doug and Donna. We got a lot of attention back in the day because for what happened. We had nothing to do with what happened. We're having youth ministry one day. There's like 35, 36 kids, and it started to grow. And then to cut the story short, God began to move. And one day, one day, 3,000 kids showed up. Yeah, yeah, where'd y'all come from? I have no idea. And we're shutting the building down, and then it's 4,000, 5,000, 6,000, 7,000. And we did nothing. Doug and Donna did nothing. I'm not that smart. I'm not that good. I barely even knew the Bible. I was still reading the picture Bible back then. You know what I'm saying? Like, like my, my mentor told me, he says, you need to read the picture Bible because I didn't know anything. You know, there were 12-year-olds in our church that knew more than I knew, right? They grew up in the church. You know, uh, one day the pastor's preaching on David and the lion, and then the next week he was preaching on David and the bear. And I turned to a, a, a middle school punk little kid, and I said, I thought it was a lion. And the kid goes, it's both. <laughs> and I was like, kid, you better shut up. Do you see how big I am compared to you? Because I am barely saved. Barely. No, no, don't look at me. Don't cry. Don't call your mama. You listen to the word. Turn yourself. Because, oh, I just need, I remember back in the day, it had nothing to do with us. I remember just sitting there going, why are all these people showing up? They don't even know who we are. But then the tendency, if it, was, if it would have been a social media season, I'd have been stopping pictures of everything. I'd have been social media. I'd have had the one-hand worship Instagram and all these people. And I would have brought the attention back. That's the temptation to bring the attention back to the leader, to the administrator. Did you know that you're not really a leader of what God wants to do? You're simply an administrator of what God is doing right? You're not really the owner of anything. You're just the steward of everything. You see what I'm saying? And so all of a sudden, no, I am hungry again. It is absolutely possible to chase and satisfy your appetite and still be hungry. If I eat what I like all the time, I might be filling my appetite up, but I'm not getting what I need. And I just believe that the church in the last decade has developed an appetite but lost its ability to hear its hunger. People who eat whatever they want, anytime they want, they have no concept. They lose their ability to actually hear their body 
when the body has a need, and I think that's what's happening in the world today. Number three, uh, we need to search, go on a search for spiritual food in this season. I remember reading this about a year ago and having it really minister to me in Deuteronomy chapter eight, verse three. And it says this, it says, he being God humbled you and let you be hungry. Isn't that interesting? That sometimes God allows us to be hungry and he fed us with manna, manna. The word manna literally means, what is this? Can you imagine the people of Israel getting up in the morning and there's no food except manna. And they're like, what is this? You know, it's like my children. They don't like what we're cooking. What is this? It's what you're going to eat right now. You know? It means, what is this? They fed them with manna. That he might make you understand that man does not live by bread alone. Manna is so important in the kingdom. In this sense. Manna is not something that you can get at the store. If there's a run on the market, you, you can't find it on the shelf. It, it's never been on the shelf. Manna, it doesn't come from a store, and you can't order it on Amazon. You can order anything on Amazon. There's nothing that doesn't exist on Amazon. We were sitting around one night, and I was just coming up with the most crazy, random, stupid things, my son and I, just to see if we could find it on Amazon. And every time, it was on Amazon. You know, it was like pink paper clips. It was Hello Kitty, you know, um, sunglasses. With a, and every time, it was there. It's so weird. Um, but you can't find it on Amazon. Man, it, man, it doesn't come from a recipe. You can't get it from a friend. You, you can't bake this kind of manna. This came from heaven. They ate off of the ground manna that came from God. It only comes from him. So the question is, is he enough? That's what God's been doing in the last seasons. Am I really enough? God says, I'm going to let you be hungry for a while. And we're going to find out. We're going to see. What happens if everything changes and you don't have all the stuff that you had before? And I'm telling you, man, that first, that first Sunday, you know, someday they'll write books, you know, and history stuff. There's finally some books coming out about church over the last three years. But I just remember thinking, um, wow, we're not having church on Sunday and I have a really old crappy camera and I'm supposed to have a service online. I'm going to look like the worst cable TV show that anyone's ever seen in their life. And we did. And I remember people leaving, not coming back. And as a pastor, you're, you're just like, wow, where are they? What's going on? And then everybody starts to debate and speculate and philosophize. You know what I mean? And I just realized, oh, wait a minute. Maybe we just weren't hungry enough for the right thing. Maybe we've lost our hunger. Maybe sitting at home watching me online while you eat an omelet and play with your puppy is good enough for you. It's not good enough for me. So we're going to change something. And we're going to make sure the future looks nothing like the past. We're going to be so hungry and so on fire for God. We're going to discipleship at such a deep level. We're going to love people, pray for people. And I'm praying that, the, that God comes and pours out his spirit and that a hungry people are fed and feel that a thirsty people can take a drink of the Holy Spirit for the first time in a long time. And I believe the next 10 years is going to be so much better. But is manna enough? We have to get to the place to where we get up every day and we go, is Jesus enough? Because if he's not, we have a problem. 
This last year was really hard for Donna and I. We did, we, we lost both our moms, both unexpectedly. Uh, we had shifts and changes in the church. I know for all the dog people in here, like if you're a dog person, she brought up our dog. I don't do that because there's always cat people in the room. You know what I mean? Like, like but, the, but, but the, I'm sorry, but the fact is you, you don't own a cat. Cats own you. So you wouldn't understand, right? So, so but our, you know, the do, our dog died. and I mean, it was like a whole year of just tears and working through heart issues. And we woke up one day and we were like, hold on a minute. We just went through three years of hell. We just, we just lost family members. Our, our whole leadership team is praying and we're going through stuff. And it was like, what are we going to do? And I thought, what, what? has nothing to do with what we're going to do. I just said, is Jesus enough? Because if he's not enough, we're in trouble. I don't have to have the answer, but I better have some hunger. I better want to pursue him. I better want to get up in the morning and start looking for him and searching him out because I'm not smart enough. I'm not good enough. I don't have enough in me. But if I'm hungry, we're going to get through this. And if I'm thirsty, um, I'll go quickly here. We'll wrap this up a couple more quick. Number four, maybe uh, commit. You got to commit to be a growing leader. Hunger means you got to grow. Uh, 2 Peter chapter 3, but grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord. Grow. You got to grow. You don't, if, you're, if you're not hungry, you don't grow. You're not searching. You're not growing. You're not developing in your physical body, right? To develop means to grow. It means to grow up, to be mature. My 17-year-old uh, son at, at, at the time, he was 19 now, but when he was 17, you know, we're at the, in the middle of the end of that season and we're trying to figure out his future. And, and I just remember one day he came home and he, by the way, the whole meat thing is not a joke. My son, my son is a straight carnivore. He, he, he needs meat, protein in his body. Like it's almost strange, you know, he just gets a little nuts. Um, he eats like four people and uh, he's always hungry. He's always hungry. My son is never not hungry. Like, I've never been around him where he's not hungry. So I never ask him. You know, but hey, are you hungry? I never say that because I know it's going to cost me money. <laughs> like, I never, he's always hungry. Always. But do you know why he's always hungry? It's because he's always growing. He's growing. His body is growing. He's, he's always hungry because he's active. He's always hungry because he's active and he's growing. And somewhere in the last decade, the church changed its activity level for the kingdom. We started pursuing some of the wrong stuff. We became more celebrity or media driven and more, more about our Instagram than our intercession. And we woke up one day and we couldn't figure out why it was that we weren't active and we weren't growing anymore. And then we began to be hungry for the wrong things all the time. Then the kingdom of God started to look weird to everybody else who should be attracted to the kingdom of God. They started to do uh, movies about the kingdom of God and how weird that we are and strange that we are. But those days are coming to an end. Why? Because God allowed us to be hungry right? So we've got to be active and we've got to be growing. Um, last one. Hunger will lead you. And that's kind of where I started. Hunger will lead you. Romans chapter eight, for all who are led by God's spirit are God's children. Hunger always leads you somewhere. Um, 
So all the parents, parents of grown children, say amen and wave your hand in the air. Come on. Parents of grown children, right? Two parts of that, right? That part, some of it you missed and some of it you're like, thank God they're, <laughs> they're adults and hopefully they got a job and they got a place, right? Um, so, but if you remember growing up, like when your kids are growing up, um, we have three children, okay? So my oldest, Kaylee, she's 24. She's our youth pastor now. Um, our middle child, Tessa, she's 21. She goes to college and works at the church. And then our youngest son, he's 19 now, and he does worship in Nashville with a, with a belonging co, if you know who they are. He's there doing an internship. But my kids, when they would come home from school, and at first, you know, when they're a little younger, you laugh about it. And then when they turn teenagers, it kind of is a challenge in your heart, right? They come home. They don't walk through the door and go, man, I, I love you, Dad. I love you, Mom. Thank you for um, working so hard to provide <laughs> nourishment for my growing and active body. Thank you for all your sacrifice. Thank you for all that you've done. They walk through the door. They don't say hello. They don't say I love you. They don't say thank you. Now, maybe you do. Some of you I know are <laughs> children. I'm not. But you got to understand, my kids will walk through the door. They go right to the fridge. They go right to the fridge, and then they, when they, what do they say? It's three in the afternoon, but what do they say? It's for dinner. But when they come through the door, they go straight to the fridge. Why? Because their hunger is leading them somewhere. And the problem with the body in the last decade is we would come through the doors of the church and not have any desire to go anywhere. Churches didn't have, want to go anywhere. They just wanted to be served they wanted to be fed. Parents, could you imagine if every day, and I hope we, you know, we, all, we all went through this, but you know, what if our kids came through the door after school and sat down in front of the TV and started watching The Office and just turned to you and said, hey, mom and dad, mom, this is what I would like for dinner. I would like you to serve me, please. And by the way, it needs to be really good because if it's not good, I'm going down the street to Johnny's parents' house. <laughs> Because what they're serving up on a Sunday is way better than your casserole, okay? So let's, let's make sure that we're having good burgers tonight and good tacos, okay? You know what I'm saying? Let's make sure that we're having some good food. Because otherwise, I'm going down the street on Sunday to Johnny's place because Johnny serves, they serve it up better. Then they get over to Johnny's house and they don't even like Johnny and they don't like Johnny's parents. And Johnny's parents don't, don't serve them enough good food. So they say, hey, Mrs., Mr. and Mrs. Johnny, we came over here because our parents don't give us good enough food, but you better serve us right, because if not, we're going to go over to Pete's house, because Pete's parents evidently have really good food, and they're going to serve us the right way. See, this is what's happened to the kingdom of God. People were coming to church, and they weren't hungry, and so they weren't active. They weren't being led. They came in, they sit down, and they go, okay, pastor, serve me. Okay, church, serve me, and let's make sure that the keyboard is red, that the lights are perfect, that the fog is just right, because if the fog's not right, then why have lights? Because you can't see them. So we're going to spend $10,000 on fog to make sure that our $100,000 lights can be seen. Because if I can't see them, I'm going to Johnny's house for dinner. <laughs> see, this is, this is what the kingdom of God had come down, come down to in the last 15 years. And you know what God did? He just shut it off. <laughs> he just shut it off. And he said, okay, let's see. 
Let's see how hungry you really are. Let's, let's see if we can't just feed you manna for enough, which means what is this? What's going on? What's up? Why are we going through this? The Lord just shut it off, started dumping manna everywhere, and you realize he goes, oh, you don't have that anymore? Oh, you don't have that anymore? Oh, your camera sucks? Oh, you look like a bad cable TV show? Oh, half your people didn't come back to church? Oh, okay, you're giving one from here and went down? Oh, okay, okay. I just want to know, church, am I enough? That's the word of the Lord. Am I enough? The Lord's going, am I enough? And I'm like, oh, Jesus, you're enough, you're enough. But it may have taken me a little time to get there. But this is where the kingdom of God is at right now. And this is why we have an opportunity to move in this next season at a level of hunger and thirst like we haven't in, in decades. And I love revivals. But I need a revival here. I need a revival in my hunger. I need a revival in my thirst. I need to remember what it was like when we had nothing. I need to remember in our church what it was like when we had 16 people and all we had on our church plant team was 16 unemployed baristas from Portland, Oregon. And the reason is because that's all Portland has. They have nothing else but unemployed baristas with master's degrees. So we brought a bunch of them with us. And they had no tide, they had no job, but they had hunger. They had hunger. I want to go back to where we had nothing again. And every day, I'm telling you, sometimes on Sundays, I will sit there. And when I, when I look at, at all the things now, all the all the stuff in the room and the people I'd sit there, sometimes I close my eyes. This is, this is honest to God, this room. Sometimes I close my eyes and I remember what it was like to be in our living room with kitchen chairs and piano benches, one keyboard and my wife leading worship and, and 20 people having the most passionate, beautiful worship that I've ever experienced in my life with nothing because he's enough. I remember what it was like when I went to Bible college and I had no family. And I get to Bible college, and on my first Christmas as a Christian, because I didn't have a family, my family was gone. When I, when I got to Bible college, I remember on my first Christmas having no family. I went to buy a Christmas tree for my, for my, for my little dorm room because I went to Bible college. And then I went and I bought, myself, I bought myself a Christmas gift, and I wrapped it, and I put it under my tree. And on Christmas morning, I went, oh, no way. They open up, oh, I love that sweater. And I'm looking around, there's nobody there. You know, and I sit there underneath that Christmas tree on my first Christmas, and I wept, not because I was lonely, because I realized Jesus is enough. I was so happy to not be an alcoholic. I was so happy to not be homeless. I was so happy, happy to not be in destructive, weird atmosphere, because Jesus is enough. And sometimes I just close my eyes, and I remember those moments when I had nothing, because those are the moments where I had everything. Is he enough? And that's where we need to be. Church, I'm telling you, this next season, make him enough. Stay hungry. Stay thirsty. And see what God can do. Can I hear an amen? Let's all stand to our feet. Come on, stand to your feet. Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope you are drawn closer to Jesus and that his spirit, his love, and his life are filling you right now. If you'd like more info about who we are and what we're doing at Hope City, head over to hopecitychurch.ca to find out more. And if you liked what you heard, head over to iTunes and rate the podcast to spread the word so others can hear too. And oh, one more thing before we go. We just want to remind you that you were made for hope.